Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of She Loves Herself, the podcast. Um, Wow, it's Friday. It's the 29th of April 2022 and of course because it's a Friday on the She Loves Herself podcast, I am joined by another epic guest. Today I am delighted to share Maria Claire Monica with you. So Maria Anderson, let me just read this to you because this, there's there's actually nothing that I don't think this lady has done. It is incredible for someone of her age, um, what she has achieved, what she is continuing to achieve, and the message that she is putting out to the community, her community and others around her is just fantastic. I'm a huge fan. She is so open, honest, vulnerable, speaks her truth, ticks all the boxes for me, and I know that she'll tick the boxes for you guys too. So let me just read this to you. Maria Anderson is a mentor, teacher, and doula in Scotland, working to support creativity, expression and embodiment in big-hearted humans. She is a mother of three, a musician, an artist, and an author who is passionate about helping people to break the system, find stability and peace in community. She offers facilitation and mental health training for visionaries, private somatic coaching sessions, and retreats for creative showcasting in Scotland too. This episode is epic because we talk about her own personal journey. So she speaks candidly about her own her own situations, her her own ways that she has navigated through things in her own life and why she decided to become who she is today. Her story is fantastic. And it's so honest. Um, we also talk about sacred sexuality and we talk about cookie cutter coaching. Yeah, there's just so much juice in here, guys. I know that you're going to get so much from it. So as always, if you enjoy this episode, please leave a five-star review. Also, share it with your nearest and dearest or anyone else that you think will benefit from listening to this. You can follow Maria Claire. I've dropped all of her notes and all of her details in the show notes so you can reach her um, via all of the details in the show notes, guys, um, because, yeah, yeah, you're going to love her. So without any further ado, let me just cross over to the episode. But very quickly before I do, I want to just tell you that there is only one space left for the Empowered Women my 10-week signature coaching program. So this is where I take you through a 10-week epic coaching journey. We work through 10 different lessons from inner child to shame, to attachment style, to manifestation and everything in between. You are also coached by me every week for 10 weeks. And then we record a beautiful podcast episode together at the end. One session left starts on the 19th of May. If you want to chat about this, please drop me an email, details in the show notes, or come and chat to me on Instagram. Have a beautiful weekend, everyone, and I'll see you all back here on Monday. She Loves Herself with Jill Ritchie. 
Thank you for having me. Yay, I'm excited to have you on. So just before we started recording, I was like, let's just not, let's just pause because we want to get this on the podcast. And with any episode, as always, it's it's very authentic. It's a very organic conversation and we just let it flow. Nothing is rehearsed. We don't know what we're going to talk about, but we always trust that whatever comes up is the right message that we are communicating together with and that we are communicating to our audience as well. So for the audience who don't know who you are, tell us who you are, because I'm like Scottish priestess, doula, (laughs) like, oh my God, right? So tell us who you are and how you got to become where you are and what you're doing right now, Maria. Okay. I think this is always the biggest question, isn't it? Who are you and how do you and and actually this is a huge part of what I'm trying to undo right now so maybe two years ago I rebranded my business as the Scottish Priestess and just a few months ago I changed it back to my own actual name which is Maria Claire Monica and that was a huge reclamation because even in the name that's a huge part of the journey that I've been going through, the avatar that I created for myself to hide behind, the person I thought I had to start to become, to be successful. And then really, really learning through all of that, a lot of it had been trauma survival mechanisms that were very, very lucrative and productive in business. But coming back home to yourself, you realise, actually, you can really thrive sustainably just coming home to yourself. So my story is this, I suppose. I... (laughs) My life's so like multifaceted that I'm always like, right, where do we start? So I was raised in domestic violence. And so I was raised with that without any support, any counselling, anything at all, just basically told to be quiet about it and not tell anyone. So I learned as a child to self-regulate and self-resource through creativity. So songwriting for me, I'm a musician, an artist and a writer. And that was always how I knew how to self-soothe and just deal with the high intensity of emotions I was feeling all the time that I couldn't speak to anybody so it became a technique a really wonderful technique and one that celebrates people celebrate it but still a technique in itself so that was always there I went to uni I did my English lit degree I was in a band we did a lot of touring we played a lot of festivals we did a lot of tv and radio work when I was sort of in my early 20s and at uni and that was where I thought life was going to go. Actually, that expression that it kept me afloat as a kid was becoming what I thought would be my career. And having a great time with that, recorded an album and then boom, I was pregnant. <laughs> wow. So at 24, with my best friend's baby, we weren't together, but we'd been on off since we were 14 and 15 years old. And we just thought, okay, well, it's you. You know, if it was anybody else, I don't know if this is something we could do. But, well, well, why wouldn't we do this? So we had the baby. He's going to be 10 in two months' time. Not a month. A month's time. And we worked it out. So we had to basically, I had to drop my job. I was then working in the stockbrokers, um, trading every single day, which actually is useful for me now with some of the work that I do, just having that experience of working with multi-millionaires and things. Um, so I had to stop that, raise the baby, get together with my best friend and work it out. And so this is a huge part of what I'm talking about now is the thing about quantum leaps and fast action and all this stuff and how we look at people going, oh my God, they're so successful. Mm. The real time the scene story probably started a very, very long time ago. It probably required consistent daily bravery, courage, 
curiosity, investigation, self-explanation over and over and over again. So that's what I've been doing. So I had the baby, his name's Adam, and six months later, I'd already set up my first company. So my first company was a sewing company. I couldn't sew, but I learned to sew. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit different. Yeah, I used to make these taggy blankets, the bandana bibs. Oh, yeah. I used to um, take people's baby grows and turn them into memory bears. I used to do all that kind of stuff. Whilst, you know, raising my first baby, being a 25-year-old, like, what do I do here? And really going through an identity crisis and loss of self. But, you know, really poured into that and it went really well. I then was pregnant six months later with my daughter. So very, very quick, fast together situation. And at that point, I started to train as an antenatal educator and postnatal yoga teacher and baby massage teacher. So my first birth with my son was really traumatic. I went in really just young, trusting, gullible, not aware of coercion, not aware of anything at all. So it was a forceps, episiotomy, hemorrhage, yeah quite a violating experience so after that experience I really felt like I need to do something about this so I trained as an active birth coach to help other women to basically just not go through what I'd gone through because it'd been such a big experience so many people saying oh you failed Maria you couldn't do it you had to get the baby pulled out and all this stuff and it really I didn't talk about how painful that was at the time but it really really annoyed me (laughs) to Mm. say the least and lit this fire so before that point, yes, I'd been on stage, but I'd never taught. I'd never held space. I'd never put myself in groups of women before. Actually, I was used to men. And that was a whole new experience. But that thing of this was really deeply traumatic for me. I need to do something about that. Probably my own trauma response of like, I've got to fix this for the world really drove me. So I did that for quite a few years and really impacted birth outcomes of hundreds of people which was amazing. So when I left the franchise in 2016, I'd started to go through a bit of an anxiety, mental health collapse, personally, because I had these two little babies. I was on my own all the time. I didn't have any support and I was trying to do everything all by myself. So I thought when I had the kids, oh, my depression stopped, my self-harm stopped, I'm fine now. Not realizing it turned into anxiety, hallucination, overdoing, adrenal rapidly up here I didn't know that was a problem because I was so productive I was masking survival so well that everyone's like you're superwoman how can you do so mm. much and I did all this training with these two kids and actually when the kids weren't in the house when we started to go to the playgroup and stuff and I was home alone I was hearing voices in my head mm. it was so loud there was so much emotional pain there was so much stuff from my my 20s and stuff that was in my womb that I was really regretting mm really guilty about and it was all just all over me all the time and the only way to cope was to keep busy so I started to see a reflexologist around that time and the first session I remember driving home and it was the first time ever I'd been in the car and I didn't think about crashing the car and I didn't think about airplanes falling from the sky and I didn't think about everything it was silent and I messaged her straight away when I got home, like, what have you done to me? Because I feel like a completely different person. She just regulated my nervous system. Mm-hmm. She just helped rebalance my hormones. And I thought, oh, my God, this is amazing. So month after month when I went to see her, Ross, my husband, um, he would know when I needed it. He'd go, you're going that way again. 
And so you need to book in with Susan. And I'd be like, okay, I need to book in with Susan. But it gave me something that I knew I didn't have to just stay like that all the time. There was something that would help me, a support system, actually. And it started to really, really, really change things for me and open up my psychic awareness. So I teach now a lot about psychic development. Um, and a huge part that I believe is to do with your hormones. I believe that when we're really stressed, we cannot tap into those six senses at all because all the other senses are so overloaded and we've not got a clear channel. Like we just can't hear our own wisdom or anything else for that matter. So when I started to heal the meridians and things, that changed. And I realized I was hugely, hugely psychic. And all my friends were like, yeah, of course you are. But I'd never, never yeah. thought that. So yeah, branched out, started a holistic company, trained in all the therapies, Swedish massage, reflexology, all the things, did my Reiki, uh, discovered I was really a medium. And when I started to work on human bodies, I didn't understand the extent of how strong that was until I started working with people and really being able to see spirit, communicate with spirit, all that kind of thing. And it really changed everything I'd ever believed in and everything Ross and I had ever believed in about the world. So it was quite a process. And then I was pregnant with my third baby and that was quite a surprise. <laughs> surprise. <laughs> you know, the first two kids had gone out to school and I was like, yes, now I've got time to work and I've got, you know, systems in place to help me. And it was like, oh, you're doing it again, back to square one. But it was the most amazing thing having Noah because during his pregnancy, it was just when I'd really got into energy work and working with my body and working on other people's bodies. So the pregnancy was so different than the others. I had reflexology twice a month. I was having massages. I was having Reiki. I was doing these treatments for other people too. I was eating better. I had a lot of support in place. And the birth was my, so Coco was a home birth, which went really well. And then Noah was also a home birth that went really well. But I think when he was born, that psychic thing really ramped up even further. And so mm. the first two babies I couldn't feed. It didn't work for me, but with Noah... I did feed him, I breastfed him for two and a bit years and it was having that amount of oxytocin in my body as someone who's got a lot of trauma and adrenaline, that consistent dose of oxytocin from feeding, that psychic awareness was just mm. next level. I was actually being able to see spirits and feel spirits and all of this and it really, it was just, it changed my whole life. I'm not in that place now because I'm not feeding anymore and so I've got a much stronger handle on being in the physical earth world and not always being jumping out to talk to spirits because mm -hmm. I suppose that's the next part of the journey is that when I was jumping out to talk to spirits all the time I was disassociating yeah. so it was so easy to go oh why would I stay in this world when I can just mm. talk over here when it feels delicious and so that was a bit of a piece mm. um so just to try and speed up, because I know it's quite a long, complicated story. A great but... story, though. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. So to speed it up, I then moved into coaching, um, which I think started with everyone wanted psychic readings. And at yeah. first, like, okay. And then I felt really, I didn't like doing them. I felt huge anxiety when I was doing them. Like people wanted me to be this performing monkey, mm -hmm. like, like do and I didn't like using it in that way and I also didn't like telling people too much information because I wanted the the power to be on them just like I cared about the birth space these psychic readings people yes it's really popular but people were using it in such a way that they were just like tell me what's going to happen and yeah. then holding on to that for a lifetime and I didn't like that responsibility so I moved into coaching 
And I trained with the Academy for Soul-Based Coaching that do a lot of clean language facilitation. So it's not like you're going in with your your channel or even your life experience or anything like that as the coach. You are holding space similarly to if you're doing a holistic treatment with your hands. Mm-hmm. You're, you're facilitating the body and the person to do their own work. You're just holding the, the sort of environment for that with language. So that was really beautiful for me. And it was really empowering for me to have that technique because as somebody with a lot of childhood trauma who wants to have the answers, wants to have the solutions and has a slight superiority complex of like, I don't trust anyone and I only trust myself and I will be right for you thing. Um, having clean based, clean language is so good to just keep it neutral which was really good. So then I moved online, came across a money coach. And at this point, I'd really struggled with money, but not actually because my business had always done really well. But I never looked at my bank account because I was really, had a lot of scarcity. We used to buy like 10 pence jeans off eBay. Nothing wrong with that, but it was from this real fear place of buy for me. So even like bidding on eBay, oh my God, if it goes up to two pounds, can't have them. You know, it was a very real thing. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't noticed even back in 2015 that I'd hit my first 5k month because I wouldn't look at my bank account. The story was like, oh, I need to pay for my studio. And so, oh my God, Ross, can you loan me money? And it's, you know, just so anxious about money Mm -hmm. all the time. And I would never take my bank card anywhere. I'd expect him to do it all. And yeah, it was an interesting piece. And to look back on the bank account now and see actually what I was generating but wouldn't look at is quite interesting. So I'd worked out my own system with money, though, because I started to wake up to when I was making investments on myself, especially the soul-based coaching one. That was the first sort of big investment. And it was something like £500 a month coming out. And I really hovered over that for about three years before I did it. And when I did mm. it... To do this oh my god and the first installment that went out one of my uh, holistic clients came to me and said I know this is a bit strange but I've just been um, made redundant and work and had this redundancy package so can I just pay for all my treatments for the year in a one hour and I was like well yeah. all right then and so that covered the first yeah. and then the next month I wrote a book and I published it and all the copies that sold covered the next installment and the next one, I was literally in the morning getting the kids ready for school, about to hop in the shower and I had this thought of, I think I'll do a retreat. I've never done one before, but I put it out into my group and it sold in five minutes. After like 10 or 12 spaces, so, uh, mm. sold in five minutes. The next one was paid for. And I started to think, oh my God, there's something in this. Every time I'm stretching something and being inspired by something, if I follow it, it seems to work. Yeah. But that was the technique. Then I found mm. a and this method that I got pulled into from a very sort of pedestaled place of my own kind of codependent issues, I suppose, was really promising, harder, faster, stronger, mm. do more. Why are you not showing up more? And the first interaction we had together, I said, you know, I'm doing really well, but I don't know how to elevate because a huge driver for me was freeing my husband from his job so he could go and do something. And she said, you're not showing up enough. And I said, I've just given birth. Well, you need to show up more. Mm. I remember at the time that really doing something to me of like, I'm not enough. I'm not doing yeah. it. I'm raising three children on my own and <laughs> running business and studying a diploma, but it's still not enough. And that really planted a seed that sat in me for a couple of years. 
So I then worked with that coach and invested £30,000 in a programme, which was £3,000 a month and had a mm. really, really terrible experience. Uh, but mm. a really important experience because I realised people out there are doing this and I'm feeling weird about charging that and they're charging uh-huh. that huge lack of skill. But it was so important. So when I actually sort of 11 months in said, I'm not doing, it was a process training. I said, I'm not coming to initiation. I'm initiating myself. And oh no, you can't because you need the guru to do it for you. I said, no, this moment when I recognized that I actually don't need you. And I joined this from such a disempowered space and didn't believe in myself and didn't think I could do it and all of that. Me realizing that this is my process initiation. This is me yes. actually. didn't have to spend all that money but I did and when I did it I made my first hundred thousand pounds in a year Mm. using my own systems she took all the credit for it of course um and it was such a huge moment for me but since then and this is two years ago it's taken me two years to recover to come to am I complicit in this did I speak like that? Did I attract people in that way? You know, and then the new thing that I'm really creating now is this school for responsible leaders to really make sure that what we're doing, what we're offering is not coming from that rushed, not enough space. It's not pulling people in from their own insecurities or lack of power and playing on that. You know, it's actually teaching people long-term sustainable things that will help them because for so many sure. people are going through my spaces and being like, why is it not working? It's like, because you're not, you're not running your business, you know, yeah. and spaces because it's like, oh, if I'm in your energy, that will be enough. No, because you have to be part of your own process. Mm. So story, a big journey. That's the fast version. Oh my God. It's a, it's such a, a, a you are, no wonder you're good at writing. I'll tell you, I was hooked into that story from start <laughs> to finish. I'm like, well, oh, I want to watch the movie version. Seriously, that what right? So going back, what an absolute like mix of things and experiences that you've been through. And it's such a, a young age to take yourself. So I guess you've always had that drive inside yourself to to explore, to yeah. deepen. And what I'm feeling from you is that yeah, there was just a knowing that there was something within you, right? That was like and you to explore this, the the singing, the the touring, the you know the festivals, and like all of that, I can totally see that creative space from you. How you're just, but, but when you when you talked about because um, there's, there's so much I want to talk to you about what you've just said. I'm like, what do I want to go to first here? <laughs> I guess I'm like, let's let's go to what we just finished on around the sustainable transformational change for people I see this a lot and I am also quite vocal but I still feel like I hold back a little bit of what I really want to say because again that comes from a place of me probably being triggered and there's things I obviously need to look at within myself however sometimes I am a bit like let's call out bullshit because there is a lot of bullshit out there as well um and it is, and I do see so much of people. When I was in corporate, Maria, I vowed when I left corporate, I've been in there from the age of 17 to 37, I vowed that I would never 
ever do what I did in corporate, which was try and morph in to someone else to have. I had about 10 different masks that I wore. I had masks for executive. I had masks for my peer group, masks for my staff, masks for the, the people that used to greet you in the morning in the office. I mean, I had a, a mask, a mum mask. I had a friend mask. I had a partner mask from a partner. And I used to come home and I would look at myself in the mirror and I would honestly be like, I don't even know who this person is. And I would feel this ache within of this cannot be life that we are we are supposed to squeeze ourselves and contort into tiny boxes to fit in. And I vowed when I went into the coaching world and I left that world behind me that I would not be like everyone else. I wouldn't be always polished. I mean, I wouldn't, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, having a ring light and looking fantastic. I, I, you know, it's multi, we talk about multifaceted, right? But sometimes that isn't always life. You know, we can't be bothered sometimes just getting up and getting ready. Sometimes I get up and I look like I've, you know, I've been in a fight. But if I've got something to say, I've always been from the beginning. This is what I'm going to say. I'm not going to go and, you know, go in the shower and do my hair and spend an hour and a half because the energy of that thing that I want to express has passed. So I'll yeah. come on and I'll speak. But I remember in the beginning, my sister was saying to me, you just get one of those ring light things and oh, you, you have to just stop coming on looking like you've got a hangover. But I mean, I didn't. It was just <laughs> in the morning, right? <laughs> Thanks. But I remember being like, no, I can't pretend to be. I'm not being someone other than me. I'll be... When I'm glam, I'm glam. When I'm not, I'm not. But that's who I am. But what I did see when I, I started this and well, yeah, so four and a half years ago. And when I started showing up, I didn't see a lot of people like me doing it. I mean, there's a lot now, right? There's a lot of people <laughs> in the coaching speech, which is incredible. But I do see a lot of cookie cut versions of who people think they should be because, you know, they're doing the, you know, 20k months, 50k months, 100k launches, this and that. And, and I see, I saw so much toxic energy in corporate. And did I say, I've started to see it in the coaching world, toxic yes. positivity where people then are, you know, putting filters on everything. They are, they're, they're articulating themselves in a way. And I, I can see it because I am an intuit. And you'll see this too with the work that you do. I feel it. That isn't who they are. And it's, this is who I'm supposed to be because this is what I'm supposed to say. And this is how I'm supposed to look. And this is the thing that I'm supposed to do. And I feel it. I'm like, whoa, what happened here? This I've just gone from corporate toxic. To, and I'm not saying everyone's like that, right? You know, it sounds like a big sweeping statement I'm making, but I do see a lot of it and it puts me into a place of I don't want to be around that energy and often I'll just take myself away from it because it's it's sad it's sad that you see a lot of people who are multi-millionaires and they're doing exceptionally well but they got into the industry at the time where there wasn't a lot of it and people think well if I just do what she does then I'm going to be like her all the while not realizing that they are changing or trying to change or not accepting who they are they're not fully embodying self-love but they'll talk about self-love but there's no self-love there because if you really love yourself you're not trying to be like anyone else you know I know oh. Oh, there's so so much in that um 
I think when you said about me having a sense of there being something in me and that commitment to change thing, that I consciously chose this life for myself when I was about my daughter's age, when I was about eight years old, because I was looking at my family and I was looking at my dad and I knew I looked very like my dad and I knew my creative nature came from my dad and I knew I do not want to end up like you like I was very conscious and it was very conscious I remember because I've raised a Catholic so I used to do all the prayers at night time and I think I developed that connection to spirit through prayer as a kid basically when I was scared and so I remember making this decision Father Son Holy Spirit of if this is my life I'm going to use it to help other people when I'm older. I remember actually having that conversation with myself and being like, I am not ending up like this mm. because it was so intergen intergenerational. And I just saw so much alcoholism, abuse and, and creatives who were really dysfunctional and never got anywhere. And I made that conscious choice then, like at that age. Mm. So everything thereafter has been a dedication to that. Um mm. And I think this is where a lot of people come in, especially with the spiritual industry, suddenly wanting to be healers and things, who have no genuine drive behind them to want to do that work. Uh, or a lot of the time they haven't done anything on themselves at all, but suddenly it's, oh, I'll be able to do it for you. And as a coach or a healer or anything, you can only take your people as far as you've taken yourself. Oh, I feel like I'm talking to myself here. You're just like a bit of me. I say this all the time. You can only take a client as deep as either you've gone yourself or at least be willing to go because we don't experience exactly what they've experienced. Everyone, you know, is their own thing. But if you can't go deep, how on earth can you possibly hold that space? And I've saw that with people saying, you know, I did a little, you know, course, a week course, and now I'm a healer. And now I'm an expert in trauma. And I'm like, ah, what, what? Like, how can you say you're an expert in trauma? What? Like when you haven't worked number one on your own trauma to the deepest level, because we know like that is a dark night of the soul. That is pain, <laughs> right? And, and also this everything that goes along with it. I think someone just does a little course and they think, well, that's me, I'm an expert. And it's the people that, are sucked into that and it's it's sad because it's a dangerous space to try and take someone through trauma I mean I do it and I do somatic work I've studied it I've trained in it and it's not it's it's not pretty (laughs) it's not pretty I've had this argument with a lot of people over the years um people have been like Maria why don't you accredit your courses why don't you do this why do you do that and so I've been really back and forth with this because one of my personal beliefs is if I'm really judgmental about something I'm going to go try it on (laughs) because there should be something there so for the longest time I'm like I'm not accrediting anything don't believe in it because your qualification can't make your integrity like your life story so important and all this and that was really my stance and I really believe in that because I've had arguments people that are like but I'm accredited in this coaching thing I'm like but you're unwilling to do any of your own stuff Mm. so there's that but also now with the new thing I'm creating I'm collabing it with somebody who works at Glasgow Uni and we're doing an accreditation to help people also become first aiders in mental health for the reason that I also know there are plenty of people out there claiming to have integrity, but without any of the structure to know how, or the tools to know how to help people. So we need both. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really lost because people are like, oh, I'm changing this, I'm changing that. And it's like, oh, but what about your own stuff? Yeah. And we need to do both together. 
Um, I had something else to say when you were talking about identities being lost online because this is huge. It's basically the bread and butter of everything I'm doing privately with my clients right now, and it's a hard one. I've always been. I've never. I've never really worked corporate and I've never fed in anywhere that I've ever been because I've just been free to just be who I am. Uh, so sometimes, for example, I was at rugby practice for my daughter a few weeks ago talking to the mums about crystal anal butt plugs because that's what I'm learning right now. And they're like, cool, let's talk about that. So I, I don't have the sort of filter that I should have or the masks that I watch everyone else doing. I don't do that anywhere. I'll talk to my, my family, I'll talk to parents in the street, I'll talk to everyone exactly the same way. And I've always been like that and it's done me well. But when I moved into that world and, for example, that container, a thing that was constantly put on me, so I never, I don't know how to, to wear clothes. Like, I just don't. It's, I always wear weird clothes. My shoes don't ever go. It's just part of my expression. I'm okay with it. But the coach at the time was like, you're rejecting how much you could be. You're rejecting your femininity. You're rejecting this. And and really learn that on very strongly to the point that my mantra being, well, I'll try that on then, I started to lose a huge part of my core identity, trying to make sure I wasn't rejecting myself. Mm. Trying to make sure that I did take myself more seriously. I did speak in that way. I did act more professionally. Because if I wasn't, was I just repressing that part of myself uh, and keeping myself small because that's the kind of rhetoric in that space mm. we'll find balance with it because yes sometimes we do keep ourselves in cookie sort of I don't mean cookies in that spelling a cookie I mean <laughs> I mean uh-huh. wonky, um wonky versions of ourselves because we are hiding our, yeah, our sure. as is organic and natural can also be a hiding space mm-hmm. um so like there's both but the first time in my life I lost my actual expression was being deeply in that space. And I think because receiving so much money, because receiving so much money, starting to receive £10,000 a month and things like that, I think I very much felt like, well, oh my God, who who am I now? Who am I now that this is a different part of my existence? And behind closed doors with my clients, I was exactly the same I spoke exactly the same. I felt exactly the same. I had the same insecurities. I had the same everything. But on social media, something started to warp a little. And this is where I started to get a lot of attacks online, a lot of projection, a lot of people not nice to me. And at the time, it was really hard and really painful. But now I'm like, they were right. Do you know what? They were right. I had this thing happen six months ago, this woman who only saw me as a complete narcissist who was absolutely up herself, abused everybody and took from everybody. That's how she was seeing me. And it was horrible, horrible, horrible. But when it hurt me so much, I thought, if this wasn't in any way true, if I didn't believe this in any way to be true, it wouldn't be so sore. Yeah. I started to go, even though this is horrible, she's seeing my false identity that I've created for myself to cope in this domain. And so since that happened, although it's created a lot of intrusive thoughts and I'm now having to really work with like therapy and stuff to help with it, it's brought me back to the, oh my God, you can actually still be exactly who you are. But do in a way that's true to your values and not modelled on stuff that you don't agree with. So that. Goosebumps, truth bumps. Oh, I love that. I And I love your authenticity, Maria, to sit there and to share that about the, 
if it didn't hurt so much, the, an element of truth, that, and it wasn't the truth that you're a narcissist. The, the truth was there was a false identity in a way on social media. Uh, and I have to say, honestly, that is so amazing to hear someone share that. We don't hear that a lot. And there is a lot of false identity on social media because people do think they have to be a certain way. And as you say, you know, when you are intuitive and the kind of coaching that you do and I do, you feel that from people. You feel when it's inauthentic. Um, so that was about six months ago then, was it? It was six months ago. It was when I first, uh, my last launch that I did of a group coaching space. And with this one, because it's had a lot of very difficult um, experiences in the last two years with things like that, I was so careful. I was so careful. I hired a copywriter and I said, I need you to make this super clear and all the right in who this is for and who it's not to make sure we're not pulling in people that are looking to pedestal me or whatever. I was so careful except this one person she signed up before I'd even released the sales page and she got in and the red flags there was a few of them I was still trying to be too kind and too mm. accommodating and not being able to go actually I can feel this isn't right for you because that's a huge part of now what I'm training other people in the ability to say no because yeah. I'm going to help everyone and someone's like oh I really want to do this I'm really excited and so you're like okay I really want to help you and you really have to check in with yourself and your body does this feel right mm. is this actually going to be serving this person or are you letting them in because you're too scared to decline them and I think that's another part of the industry nobody talks about it's all about the sales the numbers how many people you got in actually tell me about how many people you declined <laughs> I think that's <laughs> such a great point Mm-hmm. Still in your face at the end of it. Like, let's talk about that. <laughs> oh, and I feel you, sister, because I have declined three people in the last month. Mm-hmm. And do you know what? I just know, and they'll be like, I, I want to do it. And I'm like, mm, I feel it. And, but, but this is the thing, and I want to talk about this, actually, because this is a really nice lead on to talking about how we lean into the body rather than the mind. And many times in the past, my partner has said to me, it doesn't do it now, but he used to say, why are you not, like, they want to do it. Like, you're, that's money on the table. I'm like, oh, no, honestly, I, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And I think it is being able to, when you do the work, and as we, we're talking about that deep inner work and coming home to yourself, it's really important to, I know we need the mind, right? The mind is an amazing tool, but the body shows us so much. We know in our bodies and the more that we can check in. So for anyone listening to this, every morning, even a simple tool, like dropping down your eyes, one hand on the heart space, the other on on the belly and just breathing for like 90 seconds, not only does it regulate your nervous system, it will show you so much. Your body will start to understand that, oh, you know, you're checking in again. The trust muscle will start to grow and your body will show you when you ask your heart, like, what do I need? Or asking your body, like, what do I need right now? Your body will tell you. My body tells me every day what I need. But that that didn't, that wasn't always the case because I always lived in the head. But when we talk about trusting yourself, go with your gut, your gut, you know, when we say like I have this gut feeling, don't ignore that. Like when you said you knew there was red flags, but it was like, oh, okay, we'll just go with it. 
and you knew, but it was the biggest lesson for you and you had to learn it to take you on to what you're doing now though. Yeah, absolutely. And so right now I'm training, I'm in a 650 hour tantric six love and relationship coaching training and it's really really intensive and I really I wanted to do it three years ago and again it was one of these things I was like oh am I ready am I not ready am I ready am I not ready and even last year I was like right I'm going to do this and talk myself out of it Mm. and although we look at things and go oh if I'd known that I could have protected myself from all this stuff if I hadn't gone through all that pain and turmoil and error and mistake and whatever Uh able to see what I now see and now I'm doing this training I've also got the knowledge to go alongside it of how we can actually equip people so I do a lot of work and talk a lot about the womb and a lot about the pussy and about the felt sense in that area of the body I think it's so important and I think it's so important for anybody maybe taking on clients but also for people making decisions about working with people to feel in their bodies, even first of all, the felt sense in their jaw and their pussy, like are we clenching, are we mm-hmm. love to be feel safe? Um, and also the speed of the nervous system. Yeah. Like, is it urgent? Is it feeling like, oh my God, I've got to make this decision? Yeah. Uh, just take a wee minute before you do anything or does it actually feel grounded? Because I mm-hmm. think I've into the 30K space. There was loads of things going on in my body to let me know you're, you're running um yeah. like clench the urgency the fact I couldn't stop thinking about it all the time but the marketing was if you're thinking about it all the time it's because it's for you not oh you might be a really deeply traumatized human being who gets quite yeah. obsessed <laughs> yeah uh-huh. oh, that's a beast for um, sure yeah and I, I I think about this myself our responsibility around who we let in that coach known the language that I was using probably should have declined me but I'm not going to say it was her responsibility it was mine um but this is where if we're designing spaces even in the marketing how are we speaking to people because mm. on me was if you don't don't join the space you've no right to call yourself a priestess you're disrespecting the lineage so as a people pleaser and as a kid who's like I've got to be worthy enough that really hit in the heart of like oh my god I'm really letting everyone down so I must do this if we're using techniques like that it's abusive yeah. So we can't tell on people's insecurities, on, on, on ways that you know you're hooking them in from a place that they don't feel good enough. It has That's to come. bullshit, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Everything in my body just goes, ah, with it. Yeah. You can't go wrong when you speak your truth. And you can't get it wrong. Like when you, and it's that whole thing, if we're not trusting ourselves, we're living half a version of who we are. And then we feel rejected or, or, or we're maybe not attracting the right people. That's because it's, it's coming from us. It comes from you. You have to lean into the, your whole self and holy and accept your whole self in its entirety. Well, how would, you know, if you don't do that, how is anyone else expected to? And you're always going to come from a place of lack if you're not embodying your whole self um, and you're trying to be someone else, you're never going to feel the way you think you're going to feel when you get that thing. And I think that's so important to mention. Just when you mentioned the pussy, oh my goodness. So you're just, again, I'm like, how, how have I not spoken to you before? <laughs> I, don't say, is it Leila Martin? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, snap. So I, no, no. So I just signed up. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing another one that is... Um, the Somatica Institute so I was floating between both 
And I signed up. I just went to go on and I was like looking at Leela's and I'm like, oh, well, I won't, I will, I won't. And I spoke to someone else that had done it, that had been on the podcast in season four. And I went to do it and enrollment had shut. And I'm like, <laughs> oh no, I've missed it. So then what happened was I joined her Secret Sexuality 12 month one. Um, so secret sexuality and somatica. So I'm doing combination of both the somatica mm-hmm. institute. So yeah, and it's I think it's amazing. I want to talk to you about this. So you're going down, you're learning something new again, and this is amazing because all of these learnings and it's it's leading you to that true, you know, that truest, most authentic soul that you are. Talk to us about the the pussy, the sexuality, why you know obviously you have talked about the womb and and things before the importance of learning that for yourself and then teaching Mm -hmm. it what how did that come about um I I think I talk a lot about continuous learning because I've never been out of school since I left school literally I've never stopped being in some sort of institute of learning Um, I'm always reading at least four or five books a week but I never really complete any I'm always picking them up and using it like bibliomancy where I'm just like reading what I need and putting away and I'm always always learning and I think you know in the space of you can be whatever you want to be you can coach whatever you want to do and it's your life experience that matters that is true but you have to be willing to educate yourself with loads of other people's perspectives too if you're going to be rounded in what you teach and not just this is my experience and I think that's important sexuality is really important for me because when I was younger as a very very switched on sort of electrical creative type who also is a bit bipolar and up down volatile all over the shop my sexuality was huge 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 um I got in trouble all the time from teachers and things about my sexuality, friends for being too flirty and too touchy. I'm a holistic therapist by nature. I love touching people. Um, mm-hmm. I just, bodies are really important to me, but also I think as a kid who wasn't soothed, um, discovering sexuality for me, where I wasn't maybe receiving love or touch at home, but a lot of just intensity and internalizing. When I found romance, it was like, <gasps> it was like a drug to regulate my body through orgasms, through all the nice hormones, through connections with people, through bonding in that way. And I went into relationships when I was younger, very, very open-hearted, always falling very deeply in love, always having very long-term relationships back-to-back. I was never single. I don't think I've ever been single since I was 13 years old mm. um, because I was hooked on the hormones of love. And so I did really well with that. I had lovely times and lovely relationships. And my husband and I have been technically together since we're 13, 14, but we did have like a six-year break in between when we went to uni and, and did things with other people, but we're still best friends. Um, and so all those relationships are really important to me. But when I was 20-ish, 1921, and in my band, I was in a band with seven people most of them are men and I ended up in a situation where I was sleeping with three of them at the same time um so that situation for me it was an interesting one there was a bit of bit of um coercion a bit of those secret habits of mine of just not telling anyone not being able to say no when you don't really want to be doing something a lot of that kind of stuff going on and my sexuality got really warped at that point because I was keeping secrets about it and so when it all came out it all came out when we were on tour in Hamburg so we're out in Germany and everyone found out well I love Maria and I love Maria 
everybody realised we were all sleeping together and it was a bit Fleetwood Mac. Um, that was <laughs> horrific for me because I'd realised I'd got myself in such a situation by being flirty, touchy, shiny and not being able to say no where I'd really hurt people and they'd really hurt me and I was so ashamed. I remember one of my bandmates who was a girl said to me, do you have no self-respect? And that moment literally just locking down my whole entire sexuality thereafter. I was just numbed out after that, you know, and so much self-loathing and self-betrayal and like all that stuff. So I went from this really loved sex, loved connection, really joyous, really pleasurable, happy human being to after that experience, really self-loathing, really self-harming, just hating myself for a very long time. And so that's a big journey for me. My husband, when he got me back, sort of when we had Adam, we were 22, 23. We hadn't been together sexually since we were 17 and 18. He'd known this girl who always initiated, who was always, always driven by that to someone you could barely even touch without really climbing up and shutting down. It was like a completely different human being after that. So it was always a thing that's been hard because of the numbness. Yeah. And people always see me as someone who talks about pussy, someone who talks about sex, and so she must be so sexual and have all the mm. sex. Actually, no, I really, really struggle with it. Um, I'm having to recover from birth trauma, my own sexual scapegoating, sexual trauma, sexual violations, all this stuff. That's why I care about it. It's not because I'm yeah. bad sex witch. Um, it's mm. because I see how the lack of that hurts us when we're not able to actually connect anymore because of all this internalized stuff, all this creation of the false self mm. and rejection of self uh, from a moment in time or whatever. How it, how it changes people's bodies but it, it's really became important to me professionally because working as a doula and working as a birth coach and working as a reflexologist and, and healer and things so many women coming through the doors numbed out no drive also creatively blocked also financially blocked also just loads of anxiety and there were so many connections and I'd be working people's feet and they'd message me the next day like, I'm so horny. Oh my God, what have you done to me? And I had to come home and have all this sex and I didn't expect that. And I was like thinking, okay, there's something huge in here. Our bodies are basically taking all of our experience, social coding, social, religious, whatever. And it's it's been stored in our bodies and we're locking ourselves up. Like from the pussy up, we're locking ourselves up. So most women only can access the headspace. We're just totally severed from all of this. Mm. And with birth trauma and C-sections and stuff, even energetically, this whole area is like, we just can't really connect to it or we can't trust our intuition, our instincts, our own knowing and stuff because we're operating up here because this is severed and caged away. It's also so exhausting to cage yourself and to have to hold all that energy to keep yourself caged for so mm. long. So when I've been working with people on their bodies, physically in therapies, but also through somatic work and stuff too, what's happening is they're releasing the cages. And it's not just about how sexually turned on they are, it's how liberated they are in themselves. Yeah. It's their whole character just come back to life. So mm. I think when we talk about sexuality and pussy, people can be quite judgmental oh, or yeah. like, oh you're doing that for attention or oh you must be this slut or whatever and actually what we're really talking about is a woman's access to her own body just yeah. all, you know. oh wow gosh this is oh god I'm, not, I'm gonna have to get you back on because I'm like <laughs> could talk to you all day everything you said I'm like tick 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 
And it's, it's funny because if someone had told me that I would be doing this and going down this avenue a few years ago, I'd have laughed. I've been like, absolutely not, not. It's the biggest thing that I struggled with. I couldn't even say the word pussy, Maria. I used to go, oh God, I remember signing up to so many courses over the years, like so, so many thousands and thousands of pounds of spent on amazing women, but I just couldn't connect to them. And I'd, it was the biggest thing that used to, I used to struggle with everything else. I'm like, yeah, right. Really, you know, oh, got it, got it. When it came to intimacy, it was like, oh God, no. Nah. And I, I remember going on and signing up for a course and the women said, oh, even now I'm like, oh, I don't know, it still gets me a bit. I went on and she said, um, if anyone um, that, that about set, um, their own self-pleasure and she said, you know, sometimes people want to do it with their electric toothbrush. And as soon as she said that, I actually fucking hung up. I'm like, oh, I'm coming off this Zoom call. I can't. I couldn't even. I was like, oh, God, God, I can't. And it's so funny because everything you're saying, it's the portal to, oh, my God, the most incredible things. But I have had to work on this for years and I am still working on it. But I have this huge, I see it now and it's everywhere. There is so many people, women, couples that are struggling with intimacy that have, you know, really great connections and beautiful relationships with their partner, but the intimacy is not there. And they're almost like willing just to go, right, we'll just not have sex again. And I'm like, oh gosh, you know, we, we just can't have this. It's like, it, when you said about like locking and, and desensitizing and just switching off to that part of themselves, it is a huge thing I still see, even when I talk about it, I really sort of season three um, of the podcast, I started to introduce it. But, and we always do, but we talk about the things that we are going through, right? A lot as coaches. And what happens is we attract so many people, they start coming, oh, I've got this thing. And, and it, it, you know, we, we attract it. And I've started attracting more men. And I'm like, oh, here we go. More men as in clients, by the way, not, <laughs> not men coming on to me. And what I mean is like, it is the thing. And and I, when I really started talking about it in season four, I was nervous because everything I got experts on and we we really opened up the space and I had men on and, but it was just incredible. And for everyone that's like, oh God, I'm not feeling that. I'm not feeling that. I can't not do it. So even if it means I lost all my followers and I genuinely mean this, if it means I lost my followers, if it means that I didn't have as many clients coming to work with me, I would still do this because this is my truth and this is what I, I am here to do. So I feel it, everything that you're saying, and I love your honesty around, I struggled with it. I struggle with intimacy because not a lot of people are saying that either. And so, again, we see a lot of people on social media or even friendship groups where it all seems to be okay and actually it's not. And so then we think, well, God, what's wrong with me? And I'm so ashamed. I hold so much shame. And shame is a huge thing that so many women particularly hold in this space. Yeah. And I think with sort of the sacred sexuality industry as a thing as well, the images, the stereotypical images are also 
like all very juicy and all very raunchy you know and so then people do that thing again where they go well that's nothing like me so definitely can relate to that Mm -hmm. and what if we just actually start being more honest about cool we can move towards the juicy and the wild orgasms and stuff like that but it's not goal oriented yeah just through biology really and I think sometimes in relationships with intimacy uh Ross and I have struggled in some ways sexually since I had my son because of the violence of his birth meaning there was a lot of physical pain down there Mm. and so the immediate response so I teach a lot about the psoas muscle and how Mm. the muscle that wraps around from your lower back to your inner thighs supports all the women all that area but it's also a huge muscle of memory and emotional memory and the, the the point the muscle that when it's triggered when you're triggered to fight or flight tenses and wants to run so like a lot of us who've had sort of damage down there and whatever way through like an invasive smear or birth or sexual situation that we didn't want or whatever it might be these muscles literally go (laughs) and then that tightness and so for the longest time Ross and I we've had to say to each other okay I know you want to come on to me and and to go there right now but can we just breathe a wee minute and heat me up because I'm freezing I'm chitting my jaws clenching everything's going like this and we have to take such a gentle approach to that to actually check in with the biology and the sort mm. of actual physical responses to touch that people that have got trauma in their bodies will have and it doesn't make you less sexual I think learning okay so I'm not immediately gagging for it all the time no. but here's my process and here's what I need to do to help yeah. my body resourced enough to be even open to that and that's okay mm. being the entry point is I love that I love that because you know, we want to feel it in the heart space, you know, and, and that that tenderness and safety, you know, for me personally, it was safety. Mm-hmm. And I think feeling safe enough to be intimate with someone longer term, you know, in the beginning, the, the drive's there and it's and it's all exciting. And, you know, we talk about the honeymoon phase and so on. But it was for me, it was after, you know, two years, three years that it, it started to and as the mask started to fall down and the, the the emotionally and physically naked Jill was there, the vulnerability was there and I didn't feel safe. And I had to then figure out what, why didn't I feel safe? And so, of course, I went back and I understood childhood things and, and, and also, you know, my ancestral stuff, all of the women ancestrally. Oh, my goodness. But what I want to say, and, and you you guys listening to this may be like, oh my God, that's that's too much. How do I even just start? You know, I want to feel sexy again. We're not saying like, go and do some ancestral healing. You know, you might get to that point. <laughs> but actually to start doing it, let's talk about even giving them, you know, the listeners, if you are with your partner or even you're not with a partner, but you feel like you are, there is a struggle there. And how what would you suggest then Maria for someone to start to reconnect to that part of themselves I think a lot of people get lost in any form of healing because they try to hyper intellectualize it so it's like oh I need to heal what happened to my great granny and I need to do this and into that and we have to mentally process the stuff which is exhausting and pulls us all into that frontal cortex part and like we just it's counterintuitive so when it comes to intimacy something that I Teach. I think I'm actually teaching that this afternoon because I'm doing a six week thing right now called Envelop the Rose, where I'm doing this with women really, really opening mm. up their bodies again. Um, something we're doing this afternoon is a five senses attunement to pleasure. So even just piece by piece, taking time to awaken your senses again. 
Um, and you can start that process by having something beautiful to sniff and to smell and to really, really feel into it. Like it's the first time you're doing that with patience and focus and awareness mm. and not rushing and just being like, you know, I'm not trying to have an orgasm here, but I'm just playing with my body to, to yeah. feel it senses and reduce other stimulus and in the same with taste and touch and really feeling touch properly and sound and I've been doing this intuitively for the longest time as a musician you maybe see my page I do a lot of dancing and a lot of listening to music it's always been how I soothe myself also with with the senses and I think that's really important but you can even working with yourself then really pay attention to these senses individually one by one while sort of touching yourself whilst yeah. actually some sort of pleasure in your body to see what it feels like when your senses are heightened and so is pleasure and I think that's a nice way to do it without it being too mentally like I must be biologically looking at it because sometimes when when it comes to sex if you're like I'm not feeling it you might just be too cold (laughs) it's like it's Mm. like the birth phase when people go into that place of real heightened adrenals and I'm always saying to them right really check the basics I do you feel secure enough how's the lighting is it too bright what's the music like is it soothing enough like going through that your senses if your senses are overloaded with bright lights loud noise mess whatever else and it doesn't feel good start there Mm, I love that I love the senses thing actually and I think there's so many people that aren't present enough to even connect with their senses we're so in the in the doing and the go 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 actually that that sense of connection even to your breath to presence to the now and 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 you just notice like what do you smell what do you taste what what do you see what do you hear all of those senses I love that that's such a great great simple yet such effective technique and you know you might not feel it in the first time you know if you've been completely desensitized to stuff and you've been disconnected from your body it maybe is something that you need to try a number of times you know you don't go to the gym and um squat whatever weight it is you know and the the first time you do it but if you want to build that lean muscle it's the same with your body but even more so because if we're not connected to that then you know we're we're not really connected to our whole self I guess and I think this is maybe like a final little thing to say because I know I could open up other huge topics I'll just I'll just try not to do that um but it's also you know that hierarchy of feelings because we're like oh I don't feel pleasure oh I don't feel this if you feel numbness you're feeling numbness you know, yeah. if you're amazing, like just yeah. that instead of being like, it must be something else. I think that's a huge part of where we stifle a lot of transformation because we're always wanting everything that is currently to be something else. And the sooner obviously you accept what is, the quicker you're going to naturally just by, you know, without pushing and try and move to something that's transformational. But if what you've got is numbness, work with numbness. I feel numbness. My body's trying to shut down my feeling as a protective measurement okay I love my body for that instead of why are you not feeling more (laughs) Mm, yeah I love that and it's just that I I loved how you said I love I love you for that you know it's that and that's self-love in itself isn't it you know being able to love that part of yourself that is numb and yeah having unconditional love for those parts because it is trying to protect you oh I need to get you back on because there's so much you want to talk about but I know we're at time now but 11 11 I know oh my god it's 11 11 (laughs) there we go 
Oh, this has been incredible, Maria. Thank you so much for your honesty, your vulnerability, your wisdom and your time today. Um, So I'm going to drop all of Maria's details in the show notes for anyone who wants to connect with her. But just tell us for anyone that doesn't go in and check in the show notes, what is the best way to reach you? The best way to reach me is Instagram. I deleted my Facebook last year because I got tired of it. Um, So the best way is my Instagram, which is Maria Claire Monica. Um, And yes, I like to use that platform as just completely unfiltered. Sometimes using filters, but unfiltered in terms of what I'm actually... Raw sort of art. All of it's just art. It's just experience day to day and just truth as much as possible and from that space I host a range of containers and private sessions and things and that's what I do yeah so if anyone wants to work with you um or look into working with you Instagram and what about your website my website is still under the Scottish Priestess I haven't updated it yet so it's still www.thescottishpriestess.com amazing oh thank you so much lovely that was awesome Thank you so much.